0: week But we also have more cabling over in this area, so we had to kind of rearrange a few things. so some of you are taking longer walks to pick up your kids today, but before long they 're going to have this place up and running again, and we 're going to be back to normal but uh, today uh, today we 're going to be just sharing a few thoughts just about what do you do when you 're afraid like every every service i 'm always afraid they 're going to turn this mic on when i 'm singing uh, <laughs> And uh, you don't know it, but you're afraid of that too. You just don't know that yet. Um, but uh, you know, what do you do when you're afraid? And I, that's that's a really that's a really good question. And you know, all of us all of us deal with fear all the time. Uh, you know, as we step into new circumstances, maybe just new experiences, we have some fear about how that's going to go. We have some fear about as we step into a new arena of life, how's it all going to turn out? Or we try to think, you know, we want to make some progress in life. And we're just not sure about how things are going to go. And there's scary situations, and we're just not sure how everything's going to turn out. Things just look kind of scary up to us a lot of times. Now, you know, one thing that Kate and I love to do is go on hikes and to Lake Tahoe. You know, I, you know, I actually am not a lover of hikes. You may not know this. But when you go to Lake Tahoe, it's inspiring. And so I want to show a couple of shots on the screen. This is the Rubicon Trail. Uh, as you start this hike, the one we go on is like about three to four miles, somewhere in there. Start on the hike, you're going through the trees, you're getting close to the lake, Lake Tahoe, and then there's this breakthrough point. And go to the next slide. You begin, you begin to just see just how beautiful this place is. And then one more slide. It just keeps unfolding and there's just, it's just a gorgeous hike. So we love doing this. And a few years ago, uh, some of you, I've probably heard this story because you hung out with me, but... A few years ago, Kate and I went on this hike. We were on one of our anniversary trips. And the thing about this hike is it's really fun to walk away from your car because it's a downgrade. It's a slight downgrade all the way down. You go down some switchbacks and then we go down faster. Then you go down downgrade and you finally wind up in Emerald Bay, which is one of the most beautiful places I've ever seen. And you just, it's just an enjoyment of nature. And then you turn around, you got it. We got to go back. And the experience of going back, for me personally, is not quite as fun, but it's still just as beautiful. But as you're going up, you know, uh, as you're going up grade, you know, many times I'll have to stop and I just got to breathe. Breathing is something I really enjoy. And so <laughs> I, I just stop and I have to breathe. And Kate would, you know, Kate, she breathes better than I do. So she's she's like further ahead and she would be very patient and she'd wait for me. And then I would, you know, breathe for a minute and I would go up and I would meet her and we'd she'd turn around and we'd just keep going until the next rest stop for me. And, well, the last rest stop we had on this one time, we're about a mile, maybe a somewhere between half a mile and a mile away from the van. And we're, we're walking up, and Kate has patiently waited. And I, I walk up to her, and this time she doesn't turn around. And I, I'm like, I keep coming closer. I'm like, what were we? I walk up to her, and she goes, Jeep. And Kate said the most motivational things I've ever heard on a hike in my life. She said, There's a bear. (laughs) And I, I look, I remember I just, I looked at it. First I thought, huh, she's serious. And I turned and I looked down and I began to hear a bear bear walking by. He's about 40 feet away. Big black bear. Uh, and he was going to, he was going in parallel with us, but he's going the opposite direction, just kind of crashing through the bushes. Excuse me. And so I'm looking down at the bear and I, at that moment, you know, there's a lot of things that go through your mind, and this is just, this was a flash, but let me take you into my mind. Um, Kate and I had watched two movies that week. One was Jungle Book. And in that book, in that movie, there's a bear who sings, he's really laid back, he enjoys life. And then we saw another movie, and it's totally random, but we saw a movie, The Revenant. And, you know, that's a, that's a little different kind of bear. Uh, that's a bear that uh, does damage, and uh, it's about him like taking, just taking this guy out almost. And and I was thinking, you know, if there was a scale between Baloo the bear and the Revenant bear, I'm guessing this bear taps a little further on the other side. So, so I looked at Kate and I just said, Kate, <clears throat> I want you to walk to the van. And I don't want you to stop for any reason, <laughs> whatever you may hear. No, just <laughs> don't stop for any reason. It's funny now. It wasn't funny then. And, and so I just started walking behind her and you know, I didn't take any more rest stops. Um, although when we got to the van, which we did, this is a good story. We got to the van. I think I had sucked all the oxygen out of the uh, Lake Tahoe basin, but, uh, but then I, I got my breath back and we were, we were off to the races. Now, you know, there's something about fear that's very powerful and you know, I could I could decide I'm never gonna go on that hike again. Uh just because I could just let that just keep me from doing that. And you know how how we deal with our fears, it really does shape our decision making and the ways we decide to do things is how we handle those fears. And if we get into the habit of giving in to fear, then it really does it keeps us from being able to take advantage of the opportunities that are put in front of us. And it keeps us from having the ability just really to live the life that we really hope for. And, um, you know, our fears can actually, if we give in to them, they can really create kind of a prison for us that we just, uh, we never really break out of. So it's really important how we deal with fear. I I recently watched a TED Talk, and the speaker was making some interesting observations about fear that I thought were really good observations. He just, She just said that our fears are like storytelling. You know, they're... Uh, there's stories that we tell ourselves. There, are stories about how the future could look. And in these stories, there's a plot line. There's characters at play in the story. And what she said was that, and, and I think it was a great observation, she says that we're not just the writers of our fears. We're actually the readers of our fears as well. And how we choose to read our fears has a real impact on the way we live our lives. And that was kind of the end of what they had to say. But I just thought that was just a very... Great observation about how fear really works is that when we choose, we choose to read our fear, how we choose to read our fears really has an impact on our lives. What we need to do is we, we have to really proofread our fears and make sure that we have all the characters in the right place. And we got to make sure that we have the main character in the right place. And that character is God and the way he operates in the world. I'd like to Look at something that David said, King David said, in Psalm 139, uh, 13, 14, and then a piece of 16. He says, for you created, he's talking to God, and he says, for you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. God has written our story. He's written our story, and he wrote it before we were born. And he has a real place in the world for us. And what God really desires is that we would walk with him and step into the story that he's written. That's really that's really what he desires for us. He designed us. He fashioned us. And he really cares about us. And he really is the originator. He's, he's powerful, and he is actually in control of, of everything around us. And he is the author, and he's the one that has written the story for us. And a big part of life is just stepping into the story that he wrote. Now, our fears, they really, they like I said, they write stories of how things could go wrong. That's a big part of what they are. But if you proofread your story and we put God into the right place, into the right role in the story, then the story changes. And we can see how we'll be okay, even in the midst of a scary situation. If we put God in the right place, then the tro- story really changes, and we can see how we we'll would be okay. So this morning I want to spend some time with David, uh, King David. And uh, we're just going to spend a little time with him and look at a few things within his life. Now, David, he was like a mighty man of valor. Now, you got around him, you're like, man, this guy, he can make it happen. And the kind of men that he had that were, he was leading, they, they called them the mighty men. And if you have to lead the mighty men, you have to be a fairly mighty man yourself. And he became king of Israel for 40 years and he had great success in his life. But when you look at the Psalms, when you, the, the Psalm, there's several Psalms he wrote. They're like the, they're like his journal. And you see that he really dealt with a lot of fear. He dealt with a lot of fear and he dealt with it often. And you also see how he dealt with fear so that his fear didn't rule him. And so, I want to look, look at this morning is kind of walk through some of the things uh, in David's life. So, you know, one thing is right after you know this. I want to look at start off by looking at something that David wrote right when he started running for his life from the king Saul, who was trying to kill him. So, David he's just is kind of the start of this story, story of his life, about eight year story of his life, and he's starting to run from Saul. And Saul um, he's almost gets he gets caught by the Philistines. He gets away from the Philistines. And he writes this in Psalm 56. David says, when I am afraid, I will put my trust in you. In God whose word I praise, in God I have put my trust. I shall not be afraid. What can mere man do to me? What David did is he put all the characters in the right place. He took, he took the men that he was afraid of and he put them in their place and he took God And he put him in the place where he could trust him because he knew that he cared about him and that he uh, was powerful. In fact, just right a few verses later, he actually says this phrase almost exactly again. Except he adds this right in front of it. In Psalm 56, 9, he says, this I know that God is for me. This I know that God is for me. Now could you imagine, now imagine this. Imagine that you were told someone came to you on the upper management, they said, you know what, we've had our eye on you. We're gonna, we're gonna work you towards being the CEO of the company. That's your track. It's your career track. Wow. And so man, you work, you start really working for the firm. You have some real success. You build a great reputation for the firm and then they fire you. You're like, wait, 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 what's going on here? And that's exactly, that's really what, where David was at this point is he had, God had told him that he was going to be king. He kills Goliath he he becomes a commander of the arm some of the armies he has exploits he has success he builds a reputation they write songs about him about how many philistines he's killed and yet right after that he loses everything and, and the king spends years chasing him trying to kill him and david right in the midst of that says he knows that god is for him see he his trust was in god and not in the situation his trust was in god And not in the situation and circumstances. So the question that I have, that I, the question that I've been, uh, pondering is, why did God allow this to happen to David? You know, he said you're going to be king. Why did he allow him to have eight years of running from Saul for his life? And I think that what he was doing is he was preparing him for David's future story. He was preparing him, you know, so how do you learn to be the king of a nation? How do you learn to be the king of a nation? I think A real good way is to become a leader of 600 men and lead them through a lot of scary situations that are real. And you learn lessons along the way. And God, I think what God was doing is He was preparing David by really teaching and instructing him uh, by giving him some responsibility. Now, what I want to do is I want to look at this morning, I want to look at just three, three kind of situations that had a lot of fear in them for David as he's running during this eight-year period. And look at... What the fear was, and look at what uh, and look at what David learned from that and how it prepared him later in life, so you know the first little story I want to just tell is you know right after uh, right after David wrote what we just read there's this report that comes to him about this town called Kila in fact up on the screen there's a, there's a there'll be a slide on Showing, uh, this, this, all these lines you see on here are really everywhere the scripture says that David ran from Saul. So this is kind of a snapshot of David's wanderings and runnings away from Saul. And right here at this town of Keilah, there's this, the message comes to David, the Philistines have taken over. And, uh, and, and the the question is, are we going to go help? Now at the point, at that point in time, they were hiding because Saul was after them. And so David asked God and God says, he said, I want you to go help him. And so David tells his guys, we're going to go help them. And this is what they say to him. This is in 1 Samuel 23, 3. But David's men said to him, behold, we're afraid here in Judah. How much more than if we go to Kela against the ranks of the Philistines? He goes, you know, we're, we're hiding here. We're afraid here. And you're saying, let's go, let's go help these people and actually fight against the Philistines. And we'll, we'll uh, our location will be known. This is going to be a really risky thing for us to do. And so David goes back to God and he says, God, is this what you want me to do? And God says, I want you to do it and you're going to have success in it. And so David leads his guys. They go down. They wipe out the Philistines. They deliver this town. And then God tells him, hey, you guys need to get out of there because the, the guys in Keilah, they're going to turn you over to Saul. They're not going to be very loyal to you. So David and his guys get out of there. And Saul, they escape from Saul. I think one of the things that David learned that God was teaching him there is that when you have the ability to help and people need help, you need to help, even if it 's a risky situation is you know if you need to help people even if it 's risky um, even if if you have the ability to help I think that 's one thing that God was teaching him in his wanderings so another another there 's another couple of episodes in fact, if you look pull up the slide again for the map. <clears throat> There were two opportunities where David could have killed King Saul. Uh, one of them was in this town called Engedi, and that's when uh, Saul walks into a cave. He doesn't know it, but all of David's men are hiding in the cave. They, Saul walks in the cave, and one of his one of David's guys says, "There he is. Take him out, and we're all done." And he says, "No, I will not hold my, I will not put my hand against the Lord's anointed." And he walk and he walks away from that. And then there's another time. In Ziph, which is a great name, I think i don't know why I just like that name. I live in Ziff um so they go to they they wind up in Ziff Saul is chasing them again, and it's a and David and his David and one of his guys it's actually his nephew, David and his nephew go down and they sneak into the camp saul's asleep, and his nephew Abishai says, "Hey, let me kill him right now it only it will only take me a minute." <laughs> And David David says, in fact, if you think about that moment, here he is, Saul's right there, the man that's been trying to kill him for at least four or five years at this point. And I imagine the fears that were going through his mind were, maybe I'll never be king as long as this guy's alive. Or maybe, you know, I might lose my life if I don't get rid of this guy. And so that, but how David saw it is he he said, he said, I will not raise my hand against the Lord's anointed. And they walk out of the camp, and David hollers down to Saul. And this is what he says. It gives you a framework of how how David was seeing this. This is in First uh, Samuel 26, uh, 23. David says this to Saul. He's yelling at him, and he says, The Lord will repay each man for his righteousness and his faithfulness. But for the Lord delivered you into my hand today, but I refuse to stretch out my hand against the Lord's anointed. Now behold, as your life was highly valued in my sight this day, so may my life be highly valued in the sight of the Lord, and may He deliver me from all distresses. David again, he has all the characters in the right place, and he says to Saul, "He says, I won't kill you because God put you in charge." And he saw God as completely in control of the situation. And I think what what God was teaching David in this in this moment. Is that he, he learned that God really is in control of who the leader is. God really is in control of who the leader is and he could just rest in that and he could leave it in God's hands. <clears throat> and then one more, one more situation that I want to bring out this morning with David. And that is after, after this, David decided, you know what? Saul's going to keep chasing me and one of these days he's going to get lucky. You know, I, I'm, we're going to get out of here because he's going to keep chasing me. We're going to, and so he, he escapes. To the land of the Philistines. Now this time they kind of they kind of say, you know what? He probably is an okay guy to have around because Saul's been chasing him for five years. So I, I think there's a little bit of an enmity there. And so what they do is they give uh, they give David a city called Ziklag, which is down here. They give him a town that he can kind of just make his own. So all of his folks are there, his men. And what David does, I'm going to just give very, very broad strokes, is. He does a lot of things to deceive the Philistines to make him think that he's really on their side. And he goes and he starts invading down the Amalekites, which the Amalekites you see down in this territory. And But he tells the Philistines, I'm invading Judah. And they go, oh, man, he's really taking those guys off. And, and so he's, he's, he's doing this, and then he gets pulled into, he gets drafted into this war that the Philistines are going to fight against Judah. And he gets up to where they're at, and the main leaders of the Philistine army, they go, Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. You brought David? You remember the songs they used to sing about him, how he killed Philistines? You guys forgot the songs? No, get him out of here. And so David, he, they get out of there. He takes his guys back down to Ziklag. They've been gone for quite a while. When they get back, what they find is that the Amalekites have come against the city and they, for retribution. And they've burned the city and they've taken all the stuff in the city and they've taken all the women and children all of their families, and they've run off with them. And it says that David and his men wept until they had no strength to weep anymore. They had lost everything. And at that moment, uh, that moment's captured in 1 Samuel 30, verse 6. And let's take a look at This is the first part of that verse. He says, Moreover, David was greatly distressed because the people spoke of stoning him. For all the people were embittered, each one because of his sons and his daughters. They were all just racked with grief and they saw David as the reason. And David, you know, there's some things, there's some missteps he'd done. He got them involved, just some of the deceit that he was doing. There's some things that that he did that, that caused uh, or at least allowed this to happen. And then David's response to this, his very next thing in the verse, David's response was this. But David strengthened himself in the Lord, his God. Now, the fear I think that David had in the situation was probably something like, I made the wrong call and everybody suffered. I can't come back from this. I can't come back from this. I can't lead anymore. Uh, you know, he was afraid. That would be a fear that he would have been dealing with. And yet how he handled it is he says he strengthened himself in the Lord, his God. He owned his mistake. He related to God about it. And then what he did is he asked God, what should I do? And God says, he, has, he says, God, should I pursue them? And God, and God told him, you should, and you're going you're to bring everything back. And so he grabs his guys. They go pursue the Amalekites, and they completely wipe them out or almost completely wipe them out, and they bring all their stuff back, bring all the people back. They haven't lost a single person. They bring it back, and it's an incredible time. And uh, I'm sure just a great time of rejoicing. Then, I think the lesson that God was trying to teach, uh, one of the lessons that Jesus, that God was trying to teach, uh, David, is that when you make a mistake that impacts everyone, you own your mistake in humility, you strengthen yourself in the Lord your God, and you lead from where you're at. You own your mistake in humility, you strengthen yourself in God, and you lead from where you're at. Now, you know david faced as David faced those fears, he really found that God was training him for what was next to be able to step into the role of king that God really God really had him on a training program, and for every one of us that have uh, really accepted Christ and made him the boss of our life and we 're walking with him, God really has each one of us on a training program as well, and there 's things in front of us that God really wants to teach us, but on front, they look like really scary situations um, you know for me. Uh, I've always, there's a fear that I've had that I used to always give into. And that fear was the fear of public speaking. Um, some people are surprised to hear that. But, uh, but you know what? I was so scared. I, I would, I would be so afraid even in high school. I, I went to a small high school. I mean, I had like 14 people in my graduating class. And if I stood up in front of them, I was, I couldn't, I, I just, I would lock up. Then I went to college and in, College, as an engineer, a required class is speech class. So I signed up for it and dropped it. And then I signed up for it and I dropped it. Then I signed up for it and then I dropped it. And then I realized I'm never going to graduate if I don't take this class. So I signed up for a fourth time and I took it and had a miserable experience. Um, (laughs) Honestly, you know, here, speak about this. And I would just, oh, man, it was like my worst fears come to life. Then... Several years, as the years went on, I got connected to a, a ministry at USC, uh, named, uh, just Christian Challenge. Some of you may have heard of it. Um, but I began, I began to actually connect with God and I began to understand how He viewed me. And I began to get really, He began to really speak to me through His Word and just help me understand some things. And, and one time, uh, Neil asked me if I would speak about just some things that God had been teaching me. And, <clears throat> I said yes, and I walked away going, what in the world did I say that for? Um, And then, I, you know, I got some advice from Neil. It was really, really helpful. And then it was about a day before I'm going to speak. And I remember I was in my house, and I was kind of going over notes. And I got hit with this crippling fear to where I couldn't even, I I honestly, I couldn't even imagine leaving the house. I was just, this fear just came on me so strongly. And and I began just praying and asking God to help me. And then it became... thought that came to my mind was how God cared about me and no matter what I did, it wasn't going to change that. And I remember standing up in the bedroom, thankfully I was home alone, uh, standing up and I just said you said it out loud because I was one of the anchored in my mind that I said something like, No matter what, tomorrow night I'm gonna be there and I'm gonna speak. I don't know how it's gonna go. I don't know what experience people are going to have, but I'm gonna be there. And so I made that decision and I so I worked. So I uh, finished working on the things, and I remember showing up that night, and they said, "Hey, we're going to ask Jeep to come down and speak." And I'm like, "You weren't walking down?" And I'm like, "Okay, my my legs are kind of under me." And I walked to the front, and I went, "Oh, the podium's not there." So I I walked over to grab the podium, and it was really heavy. And I remember I picked it up, and it started shaking in my hands. And I thought, "Oh gosh, okay." And I put the podium down, and I looked up, and I saw all these expectant faces. And the first thought that came to my mind was, "I said, "Does anyone here know c p r and uh I was not planning on saying that It's just what came to my mind um, and a couple of people in the back go, yeah and I said, Well, good I said, if I were to pass out up here, I know someone can help me okay and uh and everyone started laughing, and when they started laughing at it, I just it, felt, it just, uh, it freed me up a little bit and I just began to share what God had been teaching me. Some things that I felt like they were really important. And what, something happened that I never, ever expected is I began to enjoy myself. I mean, you could have knocked me over the two by four. I, I did not expect that. You know, I was thinking maybe I'll live through it. And instead, I enjoyed myself and I found out something that night and that was that when I'm speaking about something i'm convinced of and i'm speaking about something that i know really matters then i enjoy speaking i enjoy sharing what it is that really matters <clears throat> and what i found is over time i found out that communicating is part of how i'm wired now i got a lot to learn as you can tell this morning i got a lot to grow in but it's part of the way i'm wired is I, I is that i'm wired to communicate things that really matter to me and you know, as an engineer, this this opened up a brand new world for me, and I think it had a huge impact on my career as an engineer. Is they would say things like, "Oh, uh, the assistant secretary of the Army is here, and we need you to pre- present on this." <laughs> okay, and I got through it, and I would share with them. We have to go to a, a D.C. and share with a congressman. Okay, and there, this whole different world opened up. It had nothing to do with with me. It had to do with how God was just how he'd wired me and what it is he was doing and really encouraged me in the moment. Now, what if I had not pushed through that fear? What if I'd called Neil the night before and said, Neil, I know you're out of town, but I need to tell you something. Um, of all the speakers you're going to have tomorrow night, uh, I won't be one of them. No, uh, it's just uh, I don't think I can do this. And I'd walked away from it. You know, I would have. I don't. I don't know what would have happened, uh, but I, I do know this: is that it would have been a lot longer, or maybe I would have never really discovered some things about myself and how God had really wired me and part of my story. Um, what if David? What if David had given into fear and didn't help Kayla? You know, what 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 would he have learned then? What what would be the lesson he'd carry forward into his story? What if David had given into fear and he killed Saul? So he could become king. What kind of lesson would he have learned then, and what what would his kingdom have been like? I think his kingdom would have been very drastically different. What if David had given in to fear and he had given up on leadership because of how he blew it in Ziklag? You know, he might never have been might never have been king, and he would have walked away from the story that God had really had for him. One thing that, one thing that I've learned in my life is that the lessons to be learned on God's training program, they're on the other side of fear. The lessons to be learned on God's training program are on the other side of fear. You have to walk with God through it. Try that new thing. Try, try that thing that you're not sure about. But go into it. Put the characters in the right place. And, uh, and then watch and see how God, what God does. I'd like us, as I wrap up this morning, uh, I'd like to kind of end with a clip from a movie uh, called, I think it's called Elizabeth, the golden age, but it's a, it's a drama. And for those of us guys, we probably never would have seen this movie, but uh, this, this clip it captures a moment when Walter Raleigh, one of the, one of the explorers that was one of the founders of the new world is explaining to the queen how he dealt with his fears and uh, really what the new world is I'd like to just watch this clip and then I'll come back
1: can you imagine what it is to cross an ocean for weeks you see nothing but the horizon perfect and empty you live in the grip of fear fear of storms fear of sickness on board fear of the immensity so you must drive that fear down deep into your belly. Study your charts. Watch your compass. Pray for a fair wind. And hope. Pure, naked, fragile. Hope. register the gents, close the plates. Let them wait. Go on, Mr. Raleigh. You were hoping. At first, it's no more than a haze on the horizon. So you watch. And as a smudge, a shadow on the far water, for a day, for another day, the stain slowly spreads along the horizon taking form until on the third day you let yourself believe dare to whisper the word, land, land, life, resurrection, the true adventure, coming out of the vast unknown, out of the immensity, into new life. That your majesty is the new world. Can you imagine what it is to
0: cross up? A- you know, he she gets interrupted and she goes, You were hoping? <laughs> you know, there's there's something about hope that draws us in and you know when we when we put God, when we read our fears, we proofread them and we put the characters in the right place. And we step into scary situations that are in front of us with God. What it does is it opens up the true adventure of the vast unknown. The adventure that God has for us is real. It's something, it's a story He's written and He wants us to step into it. And if we will get past our fear and do just that and trust Him, we can step into it and really, uh, and really see and begin to live the life that God really has for us. So this morning, this morning, I'd like to just walk through just a few next steps that you could take. Uh, or it may be that God has really shared some things with you this morning. Maybe he made some things clear to you. I'd really encourage you to act on that. But maybe for you this morning, maybe what you need to do is just to identify what you're afraid of right now. Sometimes everything's just getting lost in the noise. But what is it I'm afraid of right now? What it, What is it? And it may it may be an opportunity. It may be a decision and just identify really what is it that you're afraid of right now. And then maybe, maybe there's a responsibility that you need to get a grip on, but you've been, you've been feeling like, you know, I really can't come back from this. I can't come back from this. Maybe there's something like that in your life right now. And maybe, maybe there's an opportunity that's in front of you right now that God really wants you to step into relying on him and see that turns out. Maybe there's an opportunity right in front of you right now that God really wants you to step into and and really see how it turns out. So with that, I'd like to ask the band to go ahead and come back up. And uh if if you hadn't had a time to finish out filling out your connection card, there's time right now. You can go ahead and finish filling that out and drop it in the offering bucket when it comes by. And then I'd like to just pray for us uh before we move on to the service. God I pray, Father, this morning that more and more and more that each of us can step more into the life that you have for us and begin to just step into the unfolding story that you have for us. God, I pray that you would lead us and that we would follow and you would change our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.